This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of that nation, both past and present. Hey, y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. I know I've been struggling with that lately. I kind of really want to just change it to mix Auntie Maine because I think I've crossed over. I think I might do that. Um, I'm also working as uh, the Blasian Blurred on my cosplay stuff. And I don't know. I'm going through it. Anyways, I want you all, all to know I still continue to be going through something related to this moniker that I created years before I decided to do the show. And I think it has to do with my age and it has to do with sort of my, my gender fluidity. Um, and I'm, I don't mind being an auntie, even when I'm feeling more gender fluid, but I do mind being a girl. I think I've outgrown it. So I don't know. I might be changing all my branding to mix auntie main or Blasian blurred. I don't know, but I'm going through it. But anyways, back on track. The busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom mask making Gulf Coast Cosmos comic book co-owning Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crane Award winning podcaster in this podcasting game. So this is episode one oh no, that's not what it is. What is it? It's episode one forty six, and um, it is also the day after the episode would have dropped normally if I stayed on schedule, but. Um, I'm in flux right now. I'll just let y'all know I'm I'm transitioning out of my part-time remote job. I was going to rage quit a couple of weeks ago, but I slept on it and then I had a conversa- a couple of conversations that made me feel more comfortable to not w- rage quit. So I'm basically shifting into like an on-call as needed because I'm the only person that knows stuff in this category. So if I just disappeared there would be a lot of people affected by that. And while I always give people advice of like, it doesn't matter when it's time to go, you go, you know, only the company benefits when you give notice and things like that. It doesn't benefit you as an employee. I didn't take my own advice in this case. (laughs) And, you know, I could still use the money. So what are you going to do? So in doing that, I'm busier because I'm transitioning out. And then once I transition out, I think things will kind of get back on track and I'll, I'll kind of know um, going forward what um, what I can do and what I can handle. But it, it has been a little bit hectic lately, but it's good problems too, because the reason why things are hectic and why I'm, I'm wanting to transition out of that job, besides the fact that it doesn't feed me anymore emotionally and, you know, barely feeds me financially, this shop is getting busier. I'm enjoying my life, my, the direction this life is going in. Um, I know that financially it'll be hard for a little while, but I, my cup is full on Wednesday through Sundays, which are shop days. And my cup is empty on Mondays and Tuesdays, which are the other 
places do. So, so yeah, I'm working on transitioning out. And as such, that's kind of messing with my schedule a little bit. So sorry that I'm late on this, but it is what it is. A couple of things that I wanted to do. Uh, I did want to drop an episode this week, a solo episode, because I, I really like that. Actually, it helped last week when I could just jump into the episode because I had already because I had already kind of shared a lot of the stuff that was going on on the solo episode. And it also gives me a chance to maybe reflect a little bit on the previous episode, which is something that you don't get to hear often unless I bring it up later in another episode. Um, But in this case, I can do it without impacting somebody else's story, someone else's episode. Uh, So I really like it. So there are a few things that I do want to talk about from last week's episode with Sadie, and then just kind of clue you in on some of the things that are, that are going on. Um, So, oh, last week in my intro, I said that I only have a couple more months to say Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crane Award winner um, because this year will be a new Golden Crane Awards. And if I don't win an award this year, then, you know, I would feel like I'd have to retire it because it's the new year. And even though that's still that award's still on my mantle and I can always say this show was a Golden Crane Award winner. I was on my Asian American Podcasters Association's monthly meetup last uh, week. Last week, I had mentioned that I've, I've been milking it in my intros that I've been saying every episode that I'm a Golden Crane Award winner, and the 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 creators of the organization and the other people that were in the meeting, they're like, "No, keep milking it. You don't have to give it up just because the end of the year or whatever." So, I mean, maybe I'll keep doing it. I don't know. Uh, But hopefully I'll just win another award and then I can just tack on that. You know, that would be fun, too. So we'll see. The the awards thing, specifically the reason why I chose to include it in the intro this past year is because it was a big part of my. Uh, the struggle that I personally have with my acceptance as an Asian American person, but also as a Japanese American person, also as a Japanese person, mixed Japanese, you know, whatever list of things that you want to say about Asian identity, I really struggle in that area because I don't have access really. And when I have tried to gain access in Asian spaces or Asian American spaces, I have not been always well welcomed, which you know we've talked about on the show with myself and with other guests before. It, it sometimes does happen. But this is an Asian American organization for podcasters. And in this space, um, as I've been a member for the last couple of years, I have been received really well. I've been accepted really well. And more than that, when I shared my story with the podcast association, um, one of our events about how I personally struggle with even my own Asian identity. Um, the chat box had filled up with like, you are enough. You're one of us. Oh, I'm half two, or I'm mixed too. Um, and my thing I think has a lot to do with my appearance, but also the fact that I was raised in predominantly black culture. And so I do, identify more with blackness. And so in my own personal struggle as mixed Charmaine, the, I struggle the most in Asian spaces and with the Asian American podcasters association over the last two years, I believe that I've been a member. It's taken me time to open myself up. But as I started to open myself up, I started to notice that actually they were being very accepting of me as a mixed Asian and enough to also say something that I only ever hear in black spaces, which is you're Asian full stop. Like I didn't have to apologetically 
be mixed Asian, even though I'm going to always say, well, I'm, I'm a black Asian, I'm black Asian, I'm black Japanese, you know, whatever I use in the different spaces, what they gave me in this last year was an acceptance that showed me that I can exist as a mixed Asian person, an Asian person, an Asian American person unapologetically. And I needed that external validation to help me get there. That in addition to really waking up to the violence against Asian Americans here in this country um, that I was seeing mostly through COVID, even though I had an awareness of it pre-COVID, it, it became a lot more obvious during COVID. And so I was struggling with that as well. Like, how have I let this much time go by where I don't, where I haven't seen a portion of my community struggle? I've only seen, I've mostly seen the struggles of the Black side of my community, not the Asian side. So this last year for me, or I guess we can go back further, 18 months or so, has really been like me digging into my own personal internal acceptance of my Asian identity. And that's why I started to put it into the intro once I won the award last year, because it is the first award that the podcast has won. It's not the first acknowledgement, but it is the first award. And because I was so welcomed and told, like, you are Asian enough, don't do that to yourself, which is what I tell people on this show, but I wasn't taking my own advice. Um, it's been a very emotional experience um, being involved with the Asian American Podcast Association this last couple of years. And so that's why I do include it. And so when I mentioned in the meeting that I, I like, I only have a couple more months until I have to stop doing this. And they were like, what are you talking about? Stop doing it. First of all, they, they love that I was doing it because a lot of other people were just like, we're, we're so Asian. We're too uncomfortable, like telling people we want awards. And so they were like excited that I was one of the few that was telling people that I had won an award, but also they were just, you know, they're like, be proud of yourself. Just, just say it. Who cares? So. That was a little side note that I didn't expect to run off on, but boom, it happened, whatever. So a couple of things that I wanted to do on this solo episode is I did want to kind of talk about a little bit about my feelings about the previous episode and some of the comments that I received, which is revalidating the whole mission of this show. And I don't often get to do that with y'all. Sometimes I do as much as I can in the intros, but... Um, you know, those intros getting so long, I don't really get a chance to get into it in depth. Uh, so I just wanted to share uh, last week's episode was called Brown and White is Enough, uh, featured Sadie Faye, an actor based out of Toronto, Canada, who identifies as brown and white versus the ethnic groups that they come from because of their own personal desire to kind of preempt whatever your decision is when they tell you I am this ethnicity and this ethnicity and then all those preconceived notions. So the decision to not do that, to not tell them the ethnic groups would actually just say brown and white, it was intentional because it does block some of the questions. It it, it might encourage different questions or whatever, but it allows them on their terms to provide the information versus the preconceived note. And I'm sure people have different preconceived notions about the words brown and white as well. Um, but this is, this is how Sadie does it. And I had never heard 
someone make that kind of an intentional thing before, but it clicked in somewhere. It really made sense to me to do that because, you know, not all of us agree on the using the color terms for our identity groups. Some people do, some people don't, but I, I'm one of those that do. That being said, I don't always love when other people use it for me, right? So I will occasionally refer to myself in a, to make a point, a very specific point as, you know, a yellow person or as a black yellow person or something, or I'll say black and yellow in a very specific context, not in my everyday life context, but for a very specific context. And sometimes that's received, you know, negatively, which I understand because of the way yellow was used or is used even uh, actively uh, for a lot of Asian folks here, especially here in the States, but I'm going to assume across the Western world as well. And so when I use it, I'm, I'm being very intentional in those moments, but I don't use it all the time because not all the time is it warranted for how I'm trying the, for the points I'm trying to make. Whereas brown is not really treated that way because brown can mean a lot of things. Brown can mean Asian. Brown can mean person of the Latin American diaspora. It could mean a lighter shade of a black person. You know, black specifically, especially here in the United States, the way it is used and the way I use it is as its own separate identity um, as, as descendants of the African slave trade and of active member, like existing living members of the African diaspora with us not knowing all with with all of us, not knowing exactly where we come from and exactly who we descend from, we have become something different here in any part of the diaspora where the reason why you exist on the land that you exist on is because an ancestor or a number of ancestors were enslaved, kidnapped, brought here and abused and forced into slave labor and things like that. So black was an empowerment to claim that it was an empowerment. And we weren't saying black as in, you know, we were all black skinned, but it gave us empowerment when the word was starting to be claimed by black identified people. Um, I don't identify with African-American because up until recently, I didn't know where my African heritage came from. And so I didn't want to just assign myself to an entire continent. And because I don't have any African cultural experiences, I did. I don't feel comfortable using that to describe myself or the me- members of my family that are from the African diaspora. Um, I'm empowered by the word black to describe my blackness, to describe my heritage, even though black is not the ethnicity. I now know that my ethnicity comes from Gabon, three different tribes in Gabon, the Atike, the Sogo, and the Kota. But I had to pay to find that out. (laughs) Not like a lot of people who just get raised and you know where you descend from. I had to pay to find out. And so while I will not be adopting a Gabonese identity, unless I were to move to Gabon and experience Gabonese life, I'm still comfortable describing myself as Black American heritage and then Japanese for my Asian side. And then when I'm speaking about color talk in very specific terms, I may say for emphasis, 
you know, I'm a mixed black and Asian, but I came out yellow or something like that. That's a way to, to describe the sensation that I feel of like not being black enough. Sometimes I might use it that way. So this is a little bit different than the way I think Sadie is using it, but it really got me thinking about like the way that I use the color terms for myself as well. And, you know, I've been thinking about it for like the last three or four weeks since, since we've had our, our discussion, but now I also have gotten to hear, hear from a couple of people too. And so that's another layer of, and of informing my feelings about the episode. Um, I did not ask anybody's permission in advance because I didn't realize I was going to talk about it, but it, I just, I caught a feeling today and I was like, you know, what? I really do want to talk about this on the show. So I did receive, I'm going to talk around what they say so that I'm not exposing anything because I didn't ask permission in advance, but this is a person who also shares a brown and white identity and was affected by the episode in terms of just, we could just start with representation on the top of it to hear the story of another brown and white identified person who might have appearances that can sometimes make people think that they're white and sometimes maybe see their brown heritage, but that it's always somebody else's decision when facing them, what they, what they are and what they get to be. And so a lot of what Sadie talked about affected this person because they could relate. And it just, for them, I could read it in the message of just like, I felt represented in hearing Sadie's story and this was meaningful and that I live off of this stuff. Like this is the reason why I do the show and it's not, sometimes it ebbs and flows. Like sometimes people are constantly sending messages, get so many of just like, Oh my gosh, this is so meaningful to me. This episode with so-and-so because of blah, blah, blah. And you know, I experienced that too. And it's just nice to know I'm not alone. And I, uh, I need to know that that is what the show is doing because that that's the mission. And when it goes into a time like now, which is sort of ebbing where people aren't messaging as much to tell me how episodes affect them. uh, When I got that first message after last week's episode, I could feel it in the in the writing of just like, Oh, I feel represented. And I'm so appreciative of that. And it's so nice to know someone else exists like this. In addition to that, some of the um, some of the other parts of the story that kind of made this person a little sad, and that was because they could also relate to it, had a lot to do with like for any of us that have an immigrant family or um, multi generational immigrant family or um, expatriates, some of us really struggle with being Western in the world, speaking English correctly in quotation and not wanting to be an other. But when you go home, you're the other, right? Because you're existing with the brown side or you're existing with the other language side, the other culture side. And those family members may still want to talk to you in those languages and, and do those cultural events. And a lot of us go through this phase of just resistance where, you know, maybe they speak to us in the language and we answer back in English, or maybe we, we just outright refuse to participate in different cultural exchanges because we're trying to be like everybody else. We're trying to be like the Western kids that, that we're growing up around. And then as adults, a lot of us regret that time and feel bad about it because we feel like now we've lost access to, to that stuff. But here's the thing. How do you prepare for that? 
how do we tell each other that, oh man, one day you're going to really wish you had embraced the brown. Your parents can't even really express that to you unless they're also mixed or second generation or something like that. But still, you got to go through it on your own. You just do. You got to go through it on your own. And somebody else telling you, when I was your age, I also didn't speak the language at home. I responded back in English and now I don't speak the language and I regret it. So you're going to speak the language. Now you're infusing your own problems on your children and they might have a different reaction when they become adults. So this is a weird cycle. This is a messed up fucking cycle for those of us who um, are multi-generational immigrant and or expatriate families and a lot of us this happened on the show many times where someone just says oh i regret this so much and i wish someone had just told me and i don't know necessarily that if someone had told us it would have made that much of a difference plus we don't know what our families are dealing with in terms of why they came here you know we may not know why they came here why are they trying to maintain culture or assimilate into the existing culture and the environment and things like that like we don't know these things and and until we're adults and maybe we get a chance to talk to our families about it and maybe our families are willing to talk about it because some of us come from cultures where we don't talk about stuff like that this is something we need to build right now because the previous generations that made us mixed were the the frontiers folks right they're the people that were starting this stuff off they they couldn't be prepared for all this stuff and now we're getting into multi-generational mixed folks like myself and multi-generational multicultural people and things like that so now we're in a good space to start talking about this and have these conversations so that we find a way to learn the balance between giving our children access to the culture without the feeling of of it being punitive if they don't learn it and also learn how to behave as a Westerner out in the world. I don't have the answer for it yet. I'm saying this is the time we need to be talking about and trying to figure that out. And there are people that are doing work in that area. Um, you know, I've talked before about Sarah Lotus as a, as a, a mixed race life coach, uh, sorry, mixed race life coach uh, who has programs for interracial couples raising mixed kids, but also mixed race confidence, like self-confidence program. Uh, there's something there. Those are the seeds of kind of understanding that stuff so that you can get in touch with it in time so that when you're raising your kids, um, you can help them maneuver through those times. Psychologists like Dr. Jen Noble, who does work with mixed race teens and mixed race families. Like, so there's people out there that are, that are starting this work and starting to do this work. But I think it really comes down to, to us having a lot of conversations about these experiences that we had as we were coming up and the things that we regret now as adults and how we can try to inform that with the child, the other mixed children that we're raising while not making them get what you didn't have. You want to kind of introduce it and make it available, but not enforce it, not inflict it on them. And um, I was thinking about that a lot when I was hearing Sadie talk about the stuff with, her grandmother, Nanima, and that discomfort she had in calling her Nanima until she realized her sister wasn't calling her uh, Nanima either and was calling her grandma. And then she felt like she stole something from her sister. And and this adult regret for what the child who didn't understand what they were going through, these choices that the child made. 
Yeah, I just felt that really heavily. And then I also got a message from someone who related to that heavily. And and it was like a sadder moment for them. But also hearing that someone else went through it was very encouraging to them because it realized it made them realize like I'm not just a selfish child or a bad child. I'm really just a confused mixed kid who didn't realize that I was dealing with a lot of stuff right there. I thought it was just a resistance to a culture but it was really more about the societal pressures to behave a certain way and be a certain way. And, and maybe even a fear that you're not going to be enough of the Brown. You know, we, we deal with that too, in terms of even trying to embrace the culture. And so I did share that message with Sadie and Sadie also had sent me a message too, about re-listening back to their episode and it being, you know, sometimes re hearing yourself talk about it when you don't, you think you know how you feel, but sometimes you just say things when you're having conversations and we don't often get to hear those conversations back. So it can be really revealing when you're a guest on the show and you share your story, you might discover something about yourself. You didn't realize you had pent up or, or that you were dealing with. Um, and then it kind of starts you on a different path of learning about yourself and about your cultural heritage. So I think that was possibly what the experience was like for Sadie and, um, and getting to hear that their episode affected other people too is, is always nice. I, I think it's nice, but I, I hope that, that Sadie felt that way as well. And then I saw a couple of the comments, I think it was either on the Facebook page post or in Instagram or on Sadie's post. I, I forget where I saw it, where people were like, oof, I could relate to that. Like you just, there was so many just like, oh, when you said blah, 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 I could really relate. So um, that, that was something that I kind of really needed, uh, to be honest. Um, I've been kind of going through it lately. I've been, I've been sort of struggling with the, the fact that the show hasn't been able to financially sustain itself after all these years is kind of impacting me into feeling like the show is, it's, it is itself not good enough. And which means I'm not good enough and blah, blah, blah. You know, you go down the rabbit hole. And so I've been feeling like if I can't figure this out, I might have to stop or I might have to just channel this mixed race mission energy into a different way. And yeah, hearing that the episode affected people and that they could relate to it kind of reinvigorated that thing in me that, um, that, feels like this is actual good work for the mixed race community. Maybe it's a little sad that I kind of needed that, but after three years when you're doing something and it becomes a routine, sometimes, um, sometimes it becomes a burden and sometimes that burden impacts you personally because you're the name behind the thing. And, um, so yeah, I've been, I've been kind of, not in a great headspace about the show lately. And I'm still going to struggle with it for a while. This this is not a one and done problem solved thing for me, but it was nice to know that other people uh, were impacted and, and felt good about the episode. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can keep it going. Going back to last week, I know I was probably a little bit of a downer about the fundraiser. Um, we, the the funds that were raised from the fundraiser have all been used already. Um, basically, I needed it just to keep the show going. 
So in that respect, it was successful in terms of hitting the goal. That's, that's not, that was what was not successful, but I don't want to make it seem like I feel like it was a failure. It did make me feel like I was a failure (laughs) because I feel like I just, I don't know what to do to make this show financially sustainable, even while we have so many generous Patreon sponsors who, who literally do help keep this going. October is always a hard month too, because everything is due, all the annual things are due. So you may notice that there aren't currently um, transcriptions for the show because I can't afford to re-up that right now. So I think they'll be up for a little bit longer, but then they'll eventually come down and I'll have to repay for it all over again, repay for the back, blog and pay for the future. So unfortunately, I didn't come up with enough to be able to keep that going. But that's an important element to the show. I don't actually know. I've gotten no responses as to whether or not the transcripts have been helpful to anybody. But that's not important to me. What's important to me is that it's there to be helpful for folks that need it. And so it's, I'm bummed out that I, I wasn't able to, to get that. Things are in flux right now. And you may notice if you go to the website that it's incomplete in some areas and, and things like that. And that just has to do with what I can't afford to, to fix or keep updated at this point. So I will do my best to try to find other creative ways to get that up and running. In addition to that, like I supplement a lot of this stuff with my mask making and I haven't actively been advertising my mask making lately because I've been so busy. And so I haven't actually, I haven't been selling that much lately. And so I'm not making that extra supplemental funds to help keep the show going. Uh, so yes, I'm in it and I'm sorry if sometimes it feels like I'm down about it. I am down about it. Um, and I'm sorry if that's translating into feeling like a burden for the audience, um, because I would rather it be a burden for advertisers, but until the advertisers can, can kick in, the fact that we have audience support at all is the only reason why this is working to the degree that it is. So if you're seeing gaps and I've gotten some emails about how the website doesn't look good on mobile or how there's something missing from the merchandise page or this isn't a working functioning or this isn't whatever, whatever. I'm, it's not that I'm ignoring those messages. It's just that I literally can't afford to fix those problems right now. So I'm, I'm assuming that if you're sending those messages, you're listening to the show. So you'll get that information here. I can't afford to fix those problems. So right now, like this is not a corporation. This is a self-employment. This is me making my own business out of this podcast. And it's not a successfully, it's not a financially successful business. It is an emotionally successful business in that when I release episodes and people listen to them, they get their life as a mixed person. And sometimes they share that with me and sometimes they share that with others. But the important thing is that we have built a community that is helping each other with their mixed race identity. And that's where the show is successful. We're just not financially successful. So I'm not going to always be able to have the perfect website or the um, regular updates on newsletters or um, merchandise being perfect and things like that. I can't, I cannot afford it. I, this is a self financed project for me. And then on top of it, now we have listener support. And with the listener support, I've been able to sustain 
But now that my finances have changed, that's how we have to exist. So it's not that I'm not seeing the message. I'm seeing them. I will say they're not helpful because they just make me feel worse that this free service I'm providing isn't good enough. (laughs) That's how it makes me feel. So I, um, so that's, that's been contributing to why I've been so down about the show lately, because the experience of talking to guests is not bringing me down. That's, that always feels as good as it always has felt. Knowing that the episodes impact people emotionally and help them in some way, that's always makes me feel, that's always makes me feel good and, and makes me feel like the work, the work is worth it. I am though very frustrated and hurt by the messages from people who have grown to expect this as a service for free. Um, As if I don't, as if they understand what my life is. And the thing is, I share a lot. I'm very transparent on the show, but I don't share everything. And so the fact that I started something that I can't financially sustain myself, that's just a thing. That's just a thing. It's just the truth. And I appreciate that people get a lot out of it, but what it isn't is a requirement for me to do. So if I'm quote unquote failing because my website isn't up to date or because um, there's something missing from the the show or, or something like that, that's not actual an actual fail because this is something that I did of my own accord. This is a free thing, free to the people who get to hear it thing that I'm doing. And so, yeah, this is the pace at which I can do it is basically what I, what I want to say is. So I just wanted to say that again, because I know that I've been a bit of a downer lately and I, I don't know that I've been saying things the way they probably need to be said. It's just that it's an emotional thing for me to not, to have created this thing that has grown into a community. So it's well, it's way bigger than me now. I, that I understand. But what that doesn't mean is just because it is way bigger to me than me now, doesn't mean that I need to maintain anybody's expectations, I guess. Um, because one, I can't afford to maintain anybody's expectation, everybody's expectations and everybody's expectations are different. <laughs> so I have to remind myself that this is a show that I recreate, I created, I created it for very specific reasons. What I, what those reasons are have not changed. They've actually maintained throughout. And I realize that the other people like the reasons that I do this show, but that people come to expect certain things because they don't know what the experience is like on this side of the recording. And I'm sure I do it too. I'm sure I do it with like celebrities. I expect things of them. Like I used to be really hard on Britney Spears and for no reason, because I didn't know her. And now that I've seen all this stuff about the conservatorship, I'm like, oh, fuck. I uh, totally misjudged that person, you know. So I think there's things like that. Like I know I'm guilty of it too, but I'm trying to be more mindful of it. And in the in the case of the show, it is right now uh, what you get is what I can do. It's not a um, I'm giving up. It's just that I have to work within the parameters of what I have available to me right now, and what I have available to me right now is what you're currently experiencing. An episode with a guest every two weeks, maybe a solo episode in those off weeks. Um, 
the website I'm not going to be able to maintain right now. I'm going to keep it up the way that it is, but there's not going to be a lot of extra work popping up on it. Um, the transcripts will go away until I can afford to buy them back. Yeah, that's that, that's where we're at. Um, there's a couple other things that are, that have uh, slipped too uh, because of the finances, but um, I'm just making it work the way I'm making it work. I really don't want to have to tra- transfer the show over to a free service like Anchor because there's be so much data that I will lose in doing that. Analytics that is important to me. So I'm going to do my best to kind of continue to maintain that. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at, um, at the moment. So I did pull down the Be Your Mix That Self t-shirt, but what I did do was add that artwork to totes. And, um, I want to try to get some stickers made too, but, uh, the sticker prices are really expensive right now. So I have to wait until those have a discount of some sort to, to be able to put them up. Um, but there's like a water bottle and a tote bag and things like that now. So if you still like the be your mix as self design, but you don't necessarily want it as a t-shirt, there are some options on the website now on the militantlymix.com merch tab, um, so that you can get access to those. And, um, but the t-shirts are gone because the annual t-shirt fundraiser, that's just the way that we, that we run it. Cause, um, that's the only way that we kind of actually make um, any kind of fundraising uh, the last couple of years. I love that design so much. I wanted to include it on a couple of different ways. And, and honestly, selfishly, I just want to tote. <laughs> so I put that up on the website. So check out militantlymix.com on the merch tab. Um, if you want to check those out, if you want to pick one of those up, um, I'll work on trying to get stickers. Uh, there's been a few people who wanted hats and uh, visors. I've had a couple samples made and they come out terribly uh, because of the size of the logo on a visor. It, 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 I just haven't found someone who does it well yet. I've, I have some really terrible samples. And then for hats, it, they're super expensive to be able to make them with the right size logo. So unless someone's willing to pay $45 for a, like a snapback or a flat, whatever, flat bill, which I don't think anybody will. Maybe y'all will. I don't know. You can email me if you do, and then I'll just have to get it as a special order. I can't order in the numbers that makes that purchase reasonable because I don't think that many people will buy that hat. So I can do some special order stuff if you're if if that's something that you want. Um, but just understand that those special orders will be a lot more expensive if that ends up being the case. So that's pretty much it. That's all I got this this year or this year. Oh my goodness, I'm exhausted this week. Um, hopefully I'll get this up in time before next week. <laughs> if you are following my other channels, I started doing a series on by furious on Instagram live, uh, conversations on queerness. Uh, I did it the first one with professor Johnny Terry, who's actually a member of my chosen queer family. And we talked about the importance of finding chosen family in the queer community. Uh, so you can actually still watch that. Uh, the video is available on the by furious pod Instagram, uh, but I'm also going to release that as an episode coming up soon. I don't have a schedule for by furious yet. I'm just going to release things as I, as I do them. And, um, and blurred comics has been down lately. I know some of you listen to both shows, um, military mix and, and blurred comics. Part of it is because of finances, but part of it is something got, hacked or something and I can no longer get into my email. And because of that, I can no longer 
like we're getting pulled from things. We're not on Google Podcasts anymore. We haven't been on iTunes for a year and I've been fighting with iTunes about that for a year. Um, But all of the other channels are starting to pull us and I cannot figure out what to do because I can't get into any of my systems. So Blurred Comics is in flux right now. We did do an IG Live last night just to get on and then um, Blurred Vision wasn't able to save the video, so we're not going to be able to release it anyway as a video. But if you watch the live, it was there. Um, so that's pretty much it. Things are in complete chaos right now, but hopefully we're going to keep it going. And um, I really appreciate some of the messages that we get because that that encourages me to keep going. Because um, if I don't know that it's as meaningful to y'all as it is to me, then you know what's the point of me doing it? Um, so that's where I've kind of been lately. Uh, hope I haven't been too much of a downer. I'm really actively trying to dig myself out of it. Um, in addition to that, my really really good news before before I get out of here is that I found a black queer woman therapist and I have started a new round of therapy with this person. Um, we just, we just actually started, uh, last week, uh, on an intake. And then this week we started for the, for the first time real therapy session and it's already life changing to not have to educate my therapist on the experiences of black people, on experiences of Asian people, on the experiences of queer people. And then by the time I explain all that, I try to deal with my problem in the last five minutes. Um, this is going to be insanely hopeful because I can actually just get to the point in a lot of things. I do have to explain some Japanese context stuff, but I don't have to explain the blackness. I don't have to explain the queerness uh, or being a woman, being a woman of color specifically. It has already been amazing. And it really, it's kind of why I'm excited about making this solo episode today is because I just... I feel so much encouraged that it is possible to turn this stuff around um, now that I'm being empowered by a therapist that understands um, a big portion of my intersections. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, I usually go on my mental health hiatuses. I, I don't think I'm going to do one through maybe in December I might, but um, I it's not my plan to do it. I might do it in January to just trying to get myself back up and going. But um yeah, it's just good stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about a lot of stuff and I'm depressed about the finances. That's, that's pretty much where I'm at right now. <laughs> so that's it for now. So hopefully I wasn't too mumbly or meandering and, um, don't forget to be your mixed ass selves y'all. Bye. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one you can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.